Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my wonderful, gorgeous, intelligent, very hardworking, Johnny Williams loving wife and co-host, Michelle. (laughs) To the maestro. To the maestro, yes. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today. We are recording this episode on Saturday, July 8th. 2023 and the episode is dropping on sunday july 9th 2023 we hope you all had a fantastic and safe fourth of july holiday this week yeah hope it was fun and as tom said hope it was safe hope it was safe that's the key thing but hopefully you had a good time with friends family whatever you decided to do if you celebrate of course we have some listeners from around the world right they celebrate july 4th like hey it's the fourth of it's, July. Yes. Not a holiday. Like, right. It's just the date on the calendar. <laughs> yes. It's Tuesday. Uh, so I uh, hope you had a good Tuesday for That's those right. of you <laughs> not in the United States of America. Thank you for joining us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. Also, we are on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Threads at Hyperion <laughs> Adventures Podcast. Yes, we're on a brand new social yes. media outlet. Right. And we still are on Twitter. It's just, we're kind of shifting some. We haven't given up Twitter yet. Right. We're just seeing what else is out there. That's right. We're and dabbling. Yes, for sure. We're already on Instagram. They're combined. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, um, and yeah. threads are kind of it's together. All the meta yeah. universe. So we, since we're there. Might as well join into the fun since we saw a lot of other people that we know and uh, enjoy their company right. uh, there as well. We hope you come on over and join and interact with us there, uh, along with all our other places, including on Facebook, our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. Just a great place for good, positive Disney energy fun. Yeah, and that's a place that you can share some of your fun, whether it's about Disney or about other things that are going on in your life. And uh, we all can... Be happy together. For sure. Yeah. Just uh, have a good time celebrating one another's adventures uh, out there in the world. Also, we are on YouTube. If you want to find us there, we're at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. Right. And one of the things that we haven't said in a while, but just, and I'm sure a lot of people know this, but we do put out a weekly newsletter. We and do. You can get Michelle that. does a great job with that <laughs> newsletter. Oh, well, thank you, honey. It's Sometimes it's kind of combined efforts, but anyways. No, uh, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. That's, it's all Michelle-ness there. So if you're not uh, subscribing to that yet, uh, go ahead and, and join us with that. It's You can just access the uh, that by going onto our website. There you go. There's plenty of ways for you to sign up for the newsletter on the website. That's it'll, true. It'll come right on there and tell you, hey, you want to sign up for the newsletter? Um, but you should because there's a lot of great stuff in yes, there for exactly. sure. You know, another great thing we have and we love very much are reviews from our listeners. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago we put out a call. Hey, we haven't gotten a review in a while. Well, guess what? What? We got a review this Huzzah! week. Better yet, it was a five-star review All this right. week. Yes. Uh, the title of the review was Tons of Fun and Good Disney Info. 
that said, great podcast with all sorts of Disney information, including DCL and DVC. Tom and Michelle share themselves and the info in a positive way that is very engaging. It's a great listen and a great addition to any podcast list. And that was by George2314. So, so thank kind. you, George. So kind. Yes, appreciate, appreciate that. that. Yeah, very nice. Of course, yeah. if you ever uh, post a review, particularly, hopefully, a five-star review on any of the various channels where you can do so, uh, and we see it, we will read it on the show as well. Yeah. And if for some reason you posted a review and we don't see it, we can't always see everything, um, let us know because we do want to know about right, it for right. sure. Right, Yeah, so, sometimes we don't get a prompt that there's been some right, review. So please let us know. But uh, yeah, uh, thank you again, George. Yeah, I really very, very appreciate sweet. it. Yeah, it's very kind. Yes, for sure. Now, before we get into this week's show, you know we always like to take a look back at the week that was, you know, because there's highs, there's lows, there's twists, there's turns. Every week is like a, a, a Disney roller coaster, you know. Sometimes there's a backwards launch. Sometimes they're very short, like <laughs> Tron. Like this week was a very short week with a holiday and everything. But we always like to focus on the positives every week. You know, this is the Disney podcast of positivity. So we like to focus on those high moments, those great moments, the moments that are my favorite things from this week or your favorite things from this week. And especially Michelle's favorite thing from this week, <laughs> because, you know, she always has the best mm -hmm. my favorite thing from this week. So, Michelle. What was your favorite thing from this week? I think you're going to laugh at this one. I am. There were a lot of good things that happened this week, but one of the things that just kind of put a big smile on my face was a, a find that I came across. Uh, one of our favorite Riesling wines, which we don't drink a lot of, true. <laughs> but it it's one of the ones that we've actually uh, found at Epcot yes, in, in the Germany, Germany Pavilion. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we've had it at tastings and we've purchased some bottles there, but found that exact same, uh, wine, same year and everything, uh, that they're selling over at Epcot right now, uh, at Costco yes. <laughs> for half the price. At a bit better price. <laughs> yes. Not that it's a bad price at Epcot. Right. No, but, no. no, but you know, so one saving money, but also not having to carry bottles of you know, boxes with bottles of wine throughout the parks. <laughs> All the way from Germany, which is way over there on the other side. Exactly. Of the exactly. So anyways, it just kind of made me smile that that is, at least for now, currently available. And we enjoyed some on the 4th of July, right. as a matter of fact. We did. Know, because what says America more than a German wine? <laughs> well, we were having some... We had we had that and we had guacamole. So That's right, some it's a melting pot. The United States is a melting pot, is what I'm trying to say. That's <laughs> correct. That is correct. So, anyways, very nice. I like it. Thank That's a good you. One. Thanks. That's what about one. you? Uh, my favorite thing from this week. Well, first of all, it's something that I can't talk about yet. Um, I will be able to soon but I can't talk about it yet. Um, so that's probably my favorite thing from this week. But also, yeah. it was just nice having the 4th of July home with my family. Uh, Scott yeah. is now with us. He's back with us for the next six months and hanging out. And we just had a good couple days together and right. enjoyed the holiday. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. It was yeah. fun that you were off and uh, made it much more special that yeah, way. for sure. For sure. So let's go ahead and move on to this week's show. I have lots of stuff for you this week. Well, 
Yeah, sort of. It's going to be a slow <laughs> Disney news week. Uh, I think I guess it's the short week or whatever. Mm, but I do I'll have some have stuff for it with you. Oh, Michelle. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. we'll see if you are going to we'll talk about what I know. About. Um, anyway, uh, what I do have for you this week is we, while we still don't have an official schedule, we did receive a few more details about what to expect at Destination D23. We'll tell you about that. Mm-hmm. If you're like Michelle and you're a big fan of corn dogs <laughs> and have a visit to Walt Disney World in the future, we have good news for you. And we now know when you'll have your first opportunity to have the live action Little Mermaid swim right into your living room. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I'll have a little something. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. Michelle always has the best stories and all the stuff that I missed. But that's later. Let's go ahead and get to our very musical main topic of the week. So, Michelle, as we talked about last week, we did go see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And let me tell you, when that Indiana Jones theme (laughs) hit once again, man, it just drew me right back into that world and nostalgia that I love. And so much of it has been brought forth by one great composer. Right. Of course, we're talking about Johnny Williams. Johnny! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so true. And and actually, um, the working relationship that the two of them had, you know, between Spielberg and and Johnny Williams is th- one of, the, like, the longest in history. Yeah, uh, the longest, most films. They've done a lot together, right. for sure. And, you know... So after that movie, I was thinking about it. And, you know, you hear a lot of talk about the GOAT, you know, the greatest of all time. You know, you hear like Tom Brady was the GOAT quarterback or Michael Jordan is the GOAT basketball player. And it goes on from there. And those are all up for interpretation. However, I think there is no doubt that when you're talking about film score composing, Hands down, the yes. goat is John Williams. Yes, I know it. And I don't know if you know this, and I hope I'm not stealing any of your thunder here. That's okay. But he was, he's been nominated for more mm-hmm. Oscars than, well, most everybody else. Only There's only one, one other, other person, person yes. ironically, and that is Walt Disney. That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah, Walt Disney has uh, 59 career uh, Oscar nominations. And John Williams, as we are recording this episode, there could be some more, especially since we have a new movie, some new scores coming out. Uh, He has 53 nominations for the Academy Awards. So I'm going to go back a little bit through John Williams' history. For those of you, I'm sure you know who he is. I'm sure you've listened to his music, whether you know it or you're not. It's been in many, many films that you uh, have loved over the years. Um, but he has a long history of, of doing great things. He was born in Flushing, Queens, New York City, to Esther and Johnny Williams, <laughs> uh, who was a jazz drummer and percussionist who played for the Raymond Scott Quintet. And he is the oldest of four children. He has three younger siblings, Jerry, Joan, and Donald. 
1948, the Williams family moved to Los Angeles where John attended North Hollywood High School and he graduated in 1950 and then went on to uh, UCLA for mm-hmm. a while. Uh, he studied composition privately with Italian composer Mario Castelnuovo Tedesco there. Uh, in 1951, Williams joined the U.S. Air Force where he played the piano and brass and conducted and arranged music for the U.S. Air Force Band. Wow, so very he's cool. He served his country as well. Yes. After service in the Air Force, he returned to New York and went to Juilliard. Mm-hmm. And while in New York, he also worked as a jazz pianist, and both in nightclubs and on recordings. And there's a couple um, songs in here. If you catch, I don't know if we if catch me if you can is on either of our lists, but yeah. it's one of the movies he did. Yeah, yeah, it was honorable mention for mine too. Very much jazz in that. Right. Like you can hear his jazz influences from himself Definitely. and from his father in that one. Uh, he returned to Los Angeles after that and began his career in the film industry, working with a number of accomplished composers, including Bernard Herrmann, Alfred Newman, and Franz Waxman. Yes. Of, some big names yeah. there. Uh, he went on to write music for more than 200 television episodes for uh, anthology series, Alcoa Premiere, Craft Suspense Theater, Chrysler Theater, and Playhouse 90. Uh, his first Film composition was for a film called You Are Welcome, a promotional film for the tourist information office of (laughs) Newfoundland. He created that in 1954 when he was stationed at Pepperell Air Force Base. Uh, Williams' first feature film composition was in 1958 for the B-movie Daddy-O, and his first screen credit came two years later in Because They're Young. Now, on down to the nitty-gritty here. Mm -hmm. Williams received his first Academy Award nomination for his score for 1967's what? Fiddler on the Roof. No, his not first nomination was for oh. 1967's Valley of the Dolls. However, you are correct. His first Academy Award score adaptation victory right. was in 1971 for his adaptation, yes, of Fiddler on the Roof. Right. Very good. Uh, all in all, 53. That, after that, there are 50. <laughs> so I did two. 51 more Academy Award nominations, as we already mentioned. Second most of all time. Uh, he has five Academy Award wins. He also has Which three, is crazy. Right. That it's not. More. Double digits. More. For sure. I, I think sometimes, you know, they nominate him and they're like, well, Johnny's, Johnny's won so many times. We're going to give it to somebody else who's done okay. Because there are so many great... I mean, let's just face it. For all... He could have won for every Star Wars movie. Yes. Every Indiana Jones movie. Right. The first three Harry Potter movies. Right. I mean, you just go on and on through the list of all sure. these great films that he's created the scores for. Um, he could have won multiple, multiple right. times. Um, and he has won multiple times. He's, like I said, five Academy Awards, three Emmy Awards, four Golden Globes, 25 Grammy mm-hmm. Awards. Don't think he's got a Tony. He's not an EGOT winner. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen where he has a Tony. Yeah. Um, so he's not an EGOT winner. Maybe he needs to compote, with, you know, in the next few years, since he's apparently retiring from film yeah. scores, maybe he can just... You know, do something with well, he, one of the yeah. shows out there. Win a Tony and finish off the EGOT. Right, right. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, in 1980, Mr. Williams was named the 19th music director of the Boston Pops Orchestra, succeeding the legendary Arthur Fiedler. He currently holds the title of Boston Pops Laureate Conductor, which he assumed following his retirement in 
1993. Look, the I, I could go on forever mm-hmm. about everything. He's wrote concertos. He's done yes. so many things, so many films. The accolades go on and on, but I don't want to take up all this time with a history lesson. Right. Because we have some great music to yeah, play. Yeah, I can't wait to delve into them. Yeah, so we thought we'd celebrate him with our, our five favorite uh, John Williams movie score songs or movie themes, I should say. I think we decided that we were going to settle on just the themes because... Did we? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> there are so much. If you start getting into all the songs that are, that are out there, it could be it could take a while, but, you know, maybe... I may have deviated in, in then. I apologize. In Adventures podcast form, I'm sure we have changed <laughs> that up a little bit. Um, we did decide to leave uh, the Indiana Jones, the Raiders theme right. off of our list. It's so fresh. It's so new. We they would both, have been on our list. Yeah, both of our lists. They for may sure. have been number one. It definitely would have been in the top three, I think, of all our right, lists sure. for sure. So that's why I played it going into this segment. And you may hear a little bit more of it later. But so it, it would be on our list. Just know that going in. Um, but um, we decided to go in some other directions for ours now. So let's go ahead and go down our list. And when we do this, you know, we always start with Michelle because she's <laughs> wonderful, awesome, all things great in the world. You've heard it in the past. She does the best research. You know, later she's going to tell you the best tip. Mm. She also always has the best list. So, Michelle, what is your number five favorite John Williams movie theme? Oh, gosh. And I've changed my list numerous times. So it's kind of where it's at as of right now as we're recording. Um, and I... And I'd, I I can't remember if, if we've already mentioned this, but we did allow ourselves to deviate from outside of the realm of just Disney. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't mention this. Obviously, he's, he's done a lot of stuff for Disney. Right. And some of these things have eventually become come into the Disney fold. You right. know, Star Wars, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana right. Jones, um, all that. But um, we decided, look, we all love a lot of these movies. We all love John Williams. We're going to branch and not just stay within the Disney realm. Right, right. Okay, so my number five today is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets theme. At the very start of that main score, you just hear like a singular bell sound, you know, repetitively for a little bit, you know, and, and then it starts to build from there. It, and it to me, it really made me think about how Harry is feeling very much alone and isolated at the beginning of that film where he doesn't even think his friends have been corresponding with him over the summer. Um, you know, and I also kind of influenced over... a. Uh, interview that I heard where John Williams said that a lot of times he'll use a small sound um, to represent foreboding and approaching havoc. So I guess that kind of was part of that as well. But um, 
you know, I just, I just love how that music captures all of that feeling. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I had the Harry Potter theme, so it's kind of the same thing, just a little bit different in general. general. Uh, I involved in this one. It's my number three, as a matter of fact. Just it's it's it. The sound of it all is just so magical. There's right. whimsy involved, yet there's foreboding as well within it. Mm-hmm. It's it it really encompasses uh, Harry Potter the series, the 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 various films throughout it. I mean. You know, Johnny only did the first three films. They only composed the scores for the first three films. But um, that legacy extended entirely through the entire series of films. For sure. 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 For sure. All right. So then what's your number five? So my number five, actually, I'm going a little off of the book here. I'm not actually going with a film theme. This was actually more of a television theme theme here but it's something that i think we all know and love and you may not even know that john williams had anything to do with it Did you pick it out? Yeah, Olympics, right? That's right. That's the theme to the Olympics or the most commonly used theme to the Olympics. Actually, John's written a few different uh, themes for the Olympic Hmm. broadcasts, but I think that's probably the most famous one. You hear that right away, you think the Olympics. And every time I hear it, it just... Uh, we love the Olympics. Right. We will watch the Winter Olympics, the Summer Olympics. We love it when it's Olympic season. Um, and just hearing that, it, it, again, a lot of this is going to be nostalgia for me. Right. That brings you right into it. It's triumphant. It's celebratory. It's, it's uh, anxious for something to happen. Right. It's good it, things to happen. It's a, an amazing, amazing theme. And yeah, very cool. So. That's my number five. Let's All get right. back to the real list. Let's get to <laughs> Michelle's number four favorite John Williams movie theme. All right. So this one's very different than your last song that you played. Um, this one is from Home Alone, Somewhere in My Memory. It's just 
such a a holiday sounding song, you know, it brings those holiday feels and (laughs) gotta compose myself. But you can't go Christmas season without watching that film, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's it is a departure from a lot of the sounds like when you think of some of the things of Indiana Jones or Star Wars or whatever. But it definitely carries that holiday sound, but he's not using familiar traditional Christmas songs in it. It's just how magnificent he is in being able to do that. Um, You hear it and you do instantly think of Christmas time. Right. And we just played an instrumental part of it. It begins kind of instrumentally. It ends instrumentally. But there is a part in the middle of it where there's actually a choir singing. Right. There are some lyrics involved in it. But it is... It's such a heartwarming movie, yet fun movie, and that is exactly the way I feel about that right, song exactly. as well. It didn't make my yeah. list, but it definitely was on one of my honorable mentions yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's especially when you're hearing that uh, that song played out when he does get reunited with his, you know, his mom and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It just has that warm feeling. For sure. Yeah. Nice. Good but, choice. Michelle's list you. always the best yeah, list. I don't know. So far, I think you've uh, scored some. Really I don't big know about here, that. But... My number four. Yes. Uh, again, now I'm going back to real movie themes, and now I'm going back to my childhood and a mm. movie that uh, the first time I watched it, I it captured my imagination. I think mm. it captured a lot of the world's imagination. I uh, just it was a huge box office smash. Such a good-hearted film. Um, and what can I say except for that? I just love it. So you may have picked it out right away. That is, of course, from E.T., the extraterrestrial. I think it's the most commonly thought of theme song for that movie. It's really the flying theme is what it's called. But I think if you... If you're going to go and think, what what song is E.T.? That's right. the song you're going to for think sure, of. For yeah. sure, for sure. Yeah. No, that is a great song. And like you said, it, it's very nostalgic, um, you know, but there's parts of what the lessons or the messages in that that are still living on. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. No, it's such a great film. I love that film. I loved it since I was a kid. Thought I got robbed at the Academy Awards yes. for multiple reasons because it was such a fine, fine Steven Spielberg movie. But um, that, again, that that score and songs just like that helped make that movie what it was for right. sure. Exactly. So, so that was my number four. Let's get back to the realist. What is Michelle's number three favorite John Williams music or movie theme? All right. Well, I know I'm going to have to have. At least a 3A and 3B. Okay. I want to have a 3C, but I don't know if you're going to really, if you're going to edit me out of that one. But let's just start with this one as uh, in the category of, of three is Yoda's theme from Empire Strikes Back.
Um, I just, first of all, love the simplicity, kind of like a meekness that comes through in that. Um, it's not grandiose mm-hmm. like a lot of the other themes, songs that are associated with some of the characters in Star Wars. Um, and even John Williams said that um, it was supposed to be representing the innocence of true wisdom. And when he saw or listened to Yoda's speech, he, he felt like it was really reduced to essentials and true simplicity. And that's, you know, what he based that, uh, that song on. Um, you know, and, and it's one of those very important tunes that you actually, tunes, <laughs> songs that you'll hear, you know, even if it's just briefly or, or subtly in some of the other awesome. Star Wars films. Awesome right that that you when when yoda is is around so um and even when he's not when there's something that's alluding to something maybe he said exactly yep yep you're right so um now if you really want to hear a super special version of this song um check out and sophie mutter on violin she did an album that actually john williams worked with her on he um it it was a several of his famous movie uh, songs and um, he actually customized some of the arrangements to really accentuate her talents on the violin. Um, so that it's, it's just an amazing version of, cool. of that check song. It out, yeah. 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 So what's your B C F? What, what how many do you um, got? <laughs> All right. I'm going to go. My other one is, um, also from Star Wars, The Duel of the Fates from The Phantom Menace. Yeah, that's a piece that really immediately gives that feeling of a, a struggle, like a critical struggle. And actually, it's representing, as we know, multiple simultaneous battles going on in that place, you know, all under the puppet master, you know, direction. But anyways, um, you know, that having that chorus in there even gives that a, a lot more foreboding sound um and williams was the one that actually came up with the idea of, ha- of having that um you know but and, and i'm not going to go into a lot of the details we know the storyline and the meaning of this you know the important meaning uh, uh of this uh ep- part of the of the show or the film where anakin who's just removed from his mother now loses his 
potential father. Spoiler figure. alert. I know. <laughs> but anyways, um, and I did have another little fun fact about the Phantom Menace in general that um, John Williams was talking how um, Spiel, not Spielberg, Lucas was kind of going backwards for he had had, you know, um, the original Star Wars trilogy, and now he's start he's starting over with the the prequels, and so he kind of used that inspiration when writing Anakin's theme, um, that he took Darth Vader's theme and kind of went took some of the same notes and theming and just did them backwards, mm-hmm. you know, to where they actually kind kind of sound like what he said is innocence, um, but with this feeling that something is going to become darker. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on uh, throughout the prequels with uh, some of the themes, mm-hmm. the new theme songs there that is all that allude to what the future might hold right. for a lot of these characters. Um, Duel of the fates did not make my list, but only because mm-hmm. I decided I needed to pare it down to mm-hmm. themes, movie themes more like um, not actually songs. And it, it could have been, my one B. I mean, right, really, yeah, it's one of my it's... favorite pieces of music from all of Star Wars. Right. You listen to it, and it encompasses that battle so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most you know, notably, just how much is at stake within right. that battle itself. Right. You can it. It's palatable. Yes. within that song. Yes, um, but also there's it. There's elegance and beauty to it, which there is a lot of in that battle. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of chaotic moments within that song, which there also are in that battle. It is so well done and it makes that, it takes that battle, which is a fantastic lightsaber battle. Right. And it just pushes it to the peak of what is arguably the greatest lightsaber battle in Star Wars history. Yes, for sure. For sure. No, totally. And that music really just, yeah, you can. Yeah. It's like you just feel the tension. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Exactly. It's so well done by John Williams yeah. to create. He does this all the time to create that feeling with that. If you take that music away, put something else light in there or whatever, it's still a great lightsaber battle. Right. But it is not the feeling, right. that, You know that you you get when you're when you see that go on right so exactly um it's a great choice again i did the honest reason it would have been my one yeah. of my um on my honorable mentions just mm-hmm. because i i had to simplify my list otherwise sure. if i was going to go through every single different little song within star I wars I, my, my entire list would have been star wars i know i know. You know mine too and it was really hard to cut i mean like i said i, I picked yoda's theme uh i think too when i heard in and sophie mutter's version of mm-hmm. it i fell in love with it even more so um but also hearing john williams talk about the simplicity of the message or the wisdom that yoda gives for sure that i thought all right i have to have that do one. you have another one you said there may be a c i i i can put it as a two a or b but if you want uh three c would be the force theme a binary sunset So 
again, this is another one of those that starts off very light, you know, kind of an innocent sound to it, you know, and, and then it quickly builds, um, again, conjuring up so many emotions. It's one of those iconic songs you can hear and love, but I don't know about you, but anytime I'm looking at that actual scene from the film with that music in the background, I just get so bought into what is going on at that moment, what's going through Luke's head. Um, we've all had our moments in life where we're just, you know, kind of contemplating what the future holds, not feeling like you're really got everything you want or, or in the direction you want or some type of struggle. And it's just the music and that scene together is such a perfect mm -hmm. marriage of that. For sure. And uh, when you're just talking about that scene, it absolutely is. But I'll tell you this, the force theme may be one of the most important pieces of music throughout Star Wars mm -hmm. because it gets brought up virtually anytime anything right. force related or force discussed comes up. It's very subtle a lot of times. But the force theme is underlying a lot. And right. you can know like, okay, there's something magical happening here. And right. the force theme it just kind of emphasizes that fact when you hear it playing in the background. Exactly. Um, yeah. Again, it's another, I, again, I could have gone on forever. I know. Um, maybe it will bring the guys on sometime. And we'll just talk about star Wars yeah. themes at some point. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, but yeah, I could have, that's why I had to pare it down. Right. I just, I could have gone on forever just talking about different pieces of music from star Wars itself. So right. That exactly. Johnny Williams created masterfully. Sure. Sure. Absolutely masterfully. Right. So. Okay, so we're at your number three now. We already went through my number three. Oh, it's okay. again Harry Potter, That's just right. like you. So let's get back to the real list, which everybody wants to do anyway. <laughs> let's get to Michelle's number two favorite John Williams movie theme. Okay, so mine, um, you know, I had to go with where he got his first Academy Award with uh, Fiddler on the Roof, the main title, Cadenza for Street. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as we mentioned, um, this was actually taking the the score that had already been written for mm -hmm. for a play, you know, and, and making it be bigger so that it would translate well for the big screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it was interesting because um, they did obviously go back and interview the original uh, writer, Jerry Bach, or one of the original writers, Jerry Bach. And here's what he said. He said, I just thought that the adaptation was so right for the film. It was more expansive, obviously, than the theater piece. 
as was the arrangement, but the arrangement never forfeited the honesty of the original score or the orchestration. It just embraced something that only John Williams could do and just a wonderful, ideal way for the film. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but yeah, it does. Um, obviously, if you listen to the whole piece, it, it, it brings in all the songs that you would normally associate with Fiddler on the Roof. Um, but he definitely has some of those pieces that he puts into it especially again with the strings he really feels the strings are an important well i mean it's way of fiddler telling. on the roof well you that's want to true make sure you get the fiddler that's to come true across. that is true um i agree i mean i listening back as i was getting the music ready for this episode listening to it made me want to go watch fiddler again you mm-hmm. know because it is such oh a, yeah amazing it movie is. it is um that and, and yeah I, I and i didn't even know that john williams did the music for that until we were talking about this. right i had no idea that he adapted the score from the original stage musical right um so it just that much more impressive and then you listen to it you're like oh yeah that's totally john williams yeah. that's totally johnny back exactly there. Uh, so well cool. and you know when i was doing my research too um i was i actually listened to a recording piece of the you know when it was a play Mm -hmm. and could definitely see why that wouldn't have carried Mm -hmm. a tv excuse me a a movie film um because it was just not grandiose i think is the best word for it yeah it has to be bigger to be on the screen there's no question about it so all Uh, right it's a great choice thanks you're number two my number two is maybe a bit of a surprise to some people because Mm. you know i'm a marvel fan and everything but let me tell you i mean you go back to my days when i was a kid many 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 (laughs) many 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 years ago um one of the movies that really struck me and I, I couldn't help but watch it and just be in awe. And a lot of it had to do with this theme song. So, yes, this is, of course, the theme song to Superman, the movie. Yes. um, From way back in the 70s. And um, let me tell you, this song, it shouts Superman. No, it does. Everything about it. It's strong and powerful. It's triumphant. It's got portions that feel like you're flying. It's got portions where you're lifting off from the, you know, like, you know. (laughs) the you know jumping over giant buildings in a single bound yes. you know i mean it's got that superman launch it's got that superman feel i think it's extremely underrated if you mm-hmm. haven't heard that theme in a long time right. go and listen to the whole thing loudly it's amazing <laughs> it's one of his best works in my opinion yeah i agree it was actually on my list uh it it was it, i think it went, went from 4 to 5 and then when i 
went to the second Harry Potter movie mm-hmm. theme uh, that that just kind of knocked it off to be in the honorable mentions. But you are correct. That is an amazing song. Again, a lot of this is so much nostalgia for me because um, these are the songs that made the movies that I loved as a right. kid. Yeah. And, um, Superman was one of them. Yeah. For sure. Christopher Reeve. Right. Playing Superman. Right. He was great. Well, like you said, the, when you're describing how you, you know, you can hear that music and feel about the, the, the sense of flying, just mm-hmm. like with E.T. and the sense mm-hmm. of flying um, on the bikes and stuff like that. It, 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 it's something that that music accompanied with the movie is believable. Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't even question it. And so. it all it, it fits. It right. fits. He knows how to make a piece of music fit exactly. what is going on in the scene what is going on in the entire movie what is going on with the character right he just does it so well back yeah. to the real list though <laughs> let's get to and this has got to be the best because it's the number one yeah. from michelle the number one michelle's number one john williams movie theme schindler's list theme Wow, I was not expecting that. <laughs> it's a great piece of music, but I was not expecting that to be your number one it song. It is a great piece. It is just, it's beyond powerful. It is an amazing... Yes, which is, it's a very powerful movie, It for is sure. a powerful movie as well. Um, and actually, uh, in this thing that I'm going to show you with you now, I, I heard it in multiple versions of interviews done with with John Williams he he talks about this that you know he first um like with with I think pretty much all of um, Spielberg films he will watch the film alone first and then start dialoguing together and he said when he saw this film it really affected him emotionally obviously he said everybody emotionally yeah yeah he he said he definitely had to step away go for a walk and everything um, but he got back and he told Spielberg, he said, this is an amazing film, an amazing story and message, and it needs a better composer. And Stephen told him, I know, but they're all dead. <laughs> so <Wow>. you're it. <laughs> but I mean, that just speaks to the friendship that they have mm-hmm. developed and everything. But um, yeah, I mean, it. but how he was able to really get that, that music 
And again, another strings, another violin um, with Itzak Perlman is just phenomenal um, to hear it, but, you know, brings into that emotion and that heart-wrenching feel. And, you know, it's just amazing. Yeah, it is. It is. No question. Michelle's list. (laughs) Always the best list. Well, I don't want to. I, I didn't really want to end on a downer th- song. Well, good because we're not because we're going to get to my number one. Yeah. And my number one was it ever really in question? I hope that brought the room up a little <laughs> yes, bit. No, um, it, it was never in question for me. I mean, that from the moment that film started, right? You get that song. Yes, it's amazing. It it it, it just it's my love for Star Wars has just gone on and built from there. And every time I hear it, it just makes me happy. I love it. It's just the best. It, it is. And I, you know, obviously I had that on my list. It was number one for a while. And then I started thinking about it, that you're going to have it. And th- I thought, well, since you're going to have it and I have so many other ones I want to include on, <laughs> I, I took that opportunity and, and didn't include it. So I'm, I'm super glad that you my intuition was, was correct yeah. and that you, you were going to have you it. You knew there. it. Yeah, yeah. That would have been my number one anyway. You know, you know, just a matter of a, I could have put some 1A, 1B or whatever, mm-hmm. but that was going to be my number one all right. the time. Because it just, it. I mean, there's nothing shouts joy to me like that yeah, theme for kicking sure. in, especially in a theater. Um, I just love it so much. So, so those are our five favorite John Williams movie themes. Do you have any honorable mentions, Michelle? Um, yeah, I, I, we talked about the Superman theme. Um, obviously, the Imperial March um, theme is is definitely amazing. Thank you. 
that's definitely a song. If I had extended it past things, right. it would have made my list. For sure. For sure. It was definitely an honorable mention. Um, by the way, we were lucky enough to see that song perform, not by John Williams, right. but we were able to see uh, The Empire Strikes Back in concert. So right. I watched the film and having, we had the San Diego Symphony Orchestra yes. playing the themes to it. That song being played by an orchestra in front of you is absolutely it's, incredible it to watch. I mean, it is amazing the way they get into it. Oh, right. It is phenomenal. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing, that watching the, you know, the 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 orchestra, how they are just, they're like saying, you know, humming. You could tell that like humming in their head as well. And they're just, their movements are into it. They are so into it. It's crazy. Yeah, if you ever have the chance, to see any of these films done with a symphony orchestra, any of these John Williams films, do it. But definitely if you get a chance to see any of these Star Wars films, and like I said, the only one we've seen is Empire yeah. Strikes Back so far. And it was amazing right. to go see. Highly encourage you if you if you get the opportunity, take it up and, and go check out these, yeah, definitely. these symphonies doing definitely. these wonderful, wonderful movies. Yeah, it's amazing. So um I then I had the Cantina band mm-hmm. song as well. Um and I would have to say every other film that we didn't talk about that he's been involved in <laughs> would yeah. have to be an honorable just mention because it's just yeah, phenomenal. I'll go through you know. a couple here real quickly here. Um let's let's go with this one. Of course, that's the theme to Jurassic right. Park, which um, is iconic in yes. its own right. And definitely yeah. it, it yeah. was, could have made my list. Mm-hmm. Definitely an honorable mention. Here's one that I think it's not a like you're not going to play this song over and over again and just jam out to it and enjoy it. But it's an extremely iconic theme. It may be arguably the most iconic theme <laughs> in this group. Obviously, the theme to Jaws, Jaws. yes, which uh, in pop culture oh may be yeah. one of the biggest of this. I mean, if you just go dun dun, right? Dun 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 dun. People know what you're talking about. Exactly, yeah, you're, you're talking about a shark attack or something along right. those lines. I know, and again, a perfect way to get you that feeling. Like even without seeing the movie, right. you get you know something is about to happen that is not going to be good, you know, and then throw in the, the film and it's just like, oh, scary. Yes. 
So much goodness. I mean, we can keep going on here. Right. You know, the stuff from Close Encounters, the mm-hmm. third kind. Yes. I already mentioned Catch Me If You Can, all the Star Wars stuff. There's just so much to go through. I mean, I, we can't even broach on right. all the yes. stuff that could make honorable mention. Right. So, um, But uh, we'd love to hear what your list is. What do you think of as your five favorite John Williams movie themes or songs in general. Yeah, we hope you found this fun to listen to and hear these great songs. Yeah, so much greatness. Um, John Williams, again, the GOAT. No question. No Hands question. down, no argument. For sure. He is the GOAT. no other way to say it. Uh, John Williams, I said it already, but I'm going to say it again. The GOAT, the greatest of all time. It's not in question. I mean, just listen to all those songs and we didn't even touch, didn't even scratch the surface of, of what he's done, both with films, television, and just, you know, writing concertos and everything right. else. I mean, the guy is amazing. And humbled. He's, he's a humble person. Yes, for sure. About all, all of his success. For sure. So that is so cool. And I'm uh, so happy to finally uh, get to celebrate him. I, again, not everything there was Disney, obviously, but it doesn't matter. I, I think he he just goes across all the different mm-hmm. studios, genres, whatever you right. want. He's done something for every kind of movie. It seems right. like out there. So exactly. Now, before we get to the Disney stories of the week, I want to talk a little bit about our great friend, Nate with main street and more travel, because let's face it. We all have trips we're thinking about taking in the very near future. Well, if you do, whether it be to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise, or anywhere in the world beyond, let me tell you, Nate is the certified Disney vacation planner that you are going to want to get in contact with. Oh my gosh, for sure. You know, as we, you know, mention all the time, he really has firsthand knowledge of things so he can really help you plan customize a a trip that is going to be the best for you answer your questions it's really concierge level planning that doesn't cost you anything high end it is high end stuff that he will help you out with answer all your questions he is there for you to make sure your trip wherever it may be be the best it possibly can be. And as Michelle mentioned, no extra cost to you. That's because either Disney or whatever other travel branch that he works through pays him for you. Your What you end up paying is exactly what you pay. If you did all that work yourself, only you can save that time and just relax and enjoy and let him set it all up for you. Right. And you know what? He may even be able to save you some money from you doing it alone because he is on top of all the deals and steals that are out there. Yeah. And there's never a guarantee, but let me tell you, if there's a discount out there, Nate will find it for you. So what you got to do is go to distripsandmore.com, fill out the form there and just contact him, talk to him, tell him what you want to do and let him get to work for you. Right. So as Tom mentioned, once you fill out that form, Nate will be back in touch with you to start that planning, but be sure to tell him that Tom and Michelle sent you. Yeah. Again, that's Nate with Main Street and more travel. 
All right, so let's go ahead and get to those Disney stories of the week. Again, it's been a little bit of a quiet week, but I do have a few for you, and I guess Michelle has one for you too. <laughs> I'm going to start with, while we still don't have an official schedule, we did receive a few more details about what to expect at Destination D23 coming up here in September. It's, it'll be here before you know it. It's just a couple know. months away now. Right. Yeah. Um, so this came from D23.com. Here are some of the panels and some other things that will be going on during that uh, get-together out at Walt Disney World. Uh, first of all, you'll be able to join Disney Parks Experiences and Products Chairman Josh Domaro as he hosts a fun and entertaining presentation about what makes a Disney experience so magical and memorable for guests and fans around the world. I wouldn't be surprised if that is where we get a little bit of Parks info about right. what they're hoping to have come in the very near future. Right, Michelle? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be exciting to hear. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Also, uh, there will be a panel called Disney Cruise Line, 25 Years of Innovative Design at Sea, where you'll get an inside look into designing and building Disney cruise ships from the Disney Imagineers, currently working on the newest fleet. I imagine that is the treasure that right, we're talking yeah. about right now. Yeah. Uh, maybe the, what was the global, it was the global uh, dream. Did they rename that? I'm blanking remember. on it. Yeah, me that's too. That's the other one that they kind of bought that was half right. finished. So they may talk about that as well. Uh, they say learn of the intricacies that go into designing unique spaces and complexities of ship design. If you've ever been the on the art of the theme tour on a Disney cruise line ship before, you know how much thought they put into <laughs> yes. everything yeah, around that ship. So it, much it, detail. Yeah, that you, some stuff that you would just walk on by and don't even know. No, but right. it's it's actually it's so rich in storytelling. Yep, and helping you, you know, kind of encourage you to what that area of the ship is all right, about. Right. Um, so very interesting. Also this, and this may have some interesting stuff in it too. Epcot, always a state of becoming a look into the design and ideas behind the transformation of Epcot and its new neighborhoods, attractions, and experiences explore the legacy of the park and discover more about the collaboration between Walt Disney Imagineering and Walt Disney World Resort throughout this ambitious process. Highlights include details and covered by the Marty Sklar archives and the inspirations that have guided the evolution of Disney's first park without a castle. So a little bit of a history, a little bit of a look ahead. Yeah. Maybe we'll get some interesting information that we don't know yet out of that about what's right. to come with Epcot. For sure. Yeah. Uh, also, dial the clock back to 1923 with Disney legend Don Hahn and director of the Walt Disney Archives, Becky Klein, and learn about Walt Disney's journey to join his brother Roy in California and the earliest days of the Walt Disney Company from the Disney Brothers Cartoon Studio to the Alice Comedies, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, and how how everyone's favorite mouse became a superstar. So we're looking yeah, back at the so beginning. forward to that one. 100 yeah. years. Love yeah. the Disney history. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, this, this one might be fun too because we saw something like this at the D23 Expo in 2019. Catch up with the voice actors behind fan favorite Disney characters including Brett Ewan, uh, who is of course Mickey Mouse, Caitlin Robrock, who is Minnie Mouse, mm-hmm. and Disney legend Bill Farmer, who plays Pluto and Goofy, and join them for a hilarious, hilarious table read of iconic scenes from 100 years of Disney history. Let me tell you, if you get the chance to go see them, do this stuff. It's amazing. We it got is. the chance to see th- something good. similar to this. Right. They acted out an entire scene in front of us at the D23 Expo, and it was really, really cool. Yeah, it's just phenomenal to see them, you know, standing there, and, and yet the voices coming out of them are very different, you know, because of the characters. It's just yeah. fun. Very cool. 
Uh, get weird with the Walt Disney Archives and experience 100 years of weird Disney moments <laughs> in the centennial edition of a Destination D23 fan favorite. Also, journey through Disney's history of optimism and innovation with the people who are part of a rich history of storytellers and inventors, beginning with Walt Disney's relentless optimism and in innovative spirit, and leading us to some of the bright minds who are shaping Disney's boundless future. So I imagine that's a lot of uh, engine Imagineer right. talk right yeah, there. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, fun. Also, they're, they're going to wrap the whole thing off with uh, an evening on September, Sunday, September 10th, with the spookiest season in style and skeleton dance the night away with our Disney plus hollow stream costume bash, which will again be the grand finale of a weekend full of fun and surprises. So it looks like it's a good costume party right. to wrap it all up. Yeah. Right. Now, yeah. We have, now we have to get to work on something. For I, that know. Party, right? I know. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, typically at the destination D 23, they do end the event with a, some kind of a, a celebratory dance or whatever. So this one sounds really fun. Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah, that will be a, a good time. And can't wait to see those people are always so creative with their cosplay and their costumes anyway. Can't wait to see what people break out uh, for this event. Here. Right. It should be a lot of fun. Well, especially for people who are starting to go to um, the uh, not so scary. Right. They can probably get two uses out of their costume. Maybe. Maybe. For cosplay. Although sometimes, especially in the early months of the not so scary, you may want to have a cooler costume. Whereas <laughs> here, this will be indoor. You could probably go ahead and right. really deck it out. Right. When you're actually going to the park, uh, maybe something that breathes a little bit. That's true. Helpful. We did see some people sweltering <laughs> yes. last year. <laughs> Also, there will be a 60 years of Disney's audio animatronics technology exhibit. So this will be on the floor. Mm -hmm. I, I imagine that you can go check it out. The Walt Disney Archives and Walt Disney Imagineering join creative forces for a special exhibition at Destination D23 to celebrate the history of audio animatronics technology. This exclusive exhibit will showcase the evolution of the art and its related technology through a diverse showcase of rare figural assets, photography, and Vintage ephemera. <laughs> okay, I don't know that word. Ephemera. Ephemera. Stuff. stuff. Vintage stuff. Vintage and stuff. documentation. <laughs> I got to look up what that word means. All in the name of celebrating key moments from Walt's earliest inspirations and development to modern day marvels. I wonder, and you talked about this, I think we were out at the parks the other day or something, maybe a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. about how in Walt's office, when we visited his office, he had the little bird that he brought right. back from South America. That inspired. That was kind of a little, it was a, not really audio animatronic, but it was, it would like do a little dance or yes, whatever in there. Yeah, make some noise. And yeah. it was kind of the inspiration behind the Tiki Room. Right, exactly. You know? So yes. um, I wonder if there'll be something like that involved in this exhibit could be yeah i mean just the sheer amount of like computers what they had initially the size of these computers with compared to what they can utilize now and right so very cool yeah i'm uh, looking forward to seeing what that exhibit's all about right I'm sure I'm, I'm excited for destination d23 it's gonna be a lot of fun there's gonna be a lot of cool panels the decision's gonna be deciding between some of them that are gonna be uh you know Possibly ones that we both want to go to and yeah. kind of figure out where we want to go. Well, I'm very excited that they're going to have the uh, pop-up 
version of the official Walt Disney Company store. Yes, I mean, they got three stores there. Yes, place. but this one is, you know, like they have the one over on the West Coast that we've been to right. um, when we've gone to the uh, tours over at the Walt studios. Disney studios, yeah. So it's nice that we haven't had that in for you know in forever. Yeah. The first time in forever. Um, and they're also going to have Mickey's of Glendale, which yeah. is the Imagineering uh, right. gift shop as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Very cool. Yeah, excited for it all. Yeah. Very much. And that's only a couple months away. That's uh, so cool. Yep. Moving on, if you're like Michelle and are a big fan of corn dogs <laughs> and have a visit to Walt Disney World in your future, well, we have good news for you. This is just a quick story. Blue Ribbon Corn Dogs, who have been supplying guests with their favorite dogs on a stick for years at the Disneyland Resort's downtown Disney district, will soon be expanding to Disney's boardwalk at Walt Disney World. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The new location is set to open later this year. While it's, we'll have to make a note of this, it's not the same corn dogs you get inside the park in Disneyland and Disney California Adventure Park. They're right. slightly different. They're still pretty good. Right. And they're corn dogs, so I mean, they're going to be good. <laughs> Maybe they're not quite the Disneyland corn right, dogs, but right. pretty good. And I, I can't think of a much better treat to just be walking down the boardwalk I and snacking know, on. You know, for you got sure. food on a stick and yeah. you know, just enjoying your time walking down the boardwalk there at Walt Disney World. Yeah, no, that, that'll be a great addition to have there. Mm-hmm. I have to check it out. Yep. I'm sure you will. <laughs> I have no doubt. Michelle will be first in line. <laughs> pick up a corn dog. <laughs> Uh, now we also uh, we now know when you'll have the first opportunity to have the little live action Little Mermaid swim into your living room. That's because the Little Mermaid will uh, be available digitally. This is of course the live action version mm-hmm. that was just in theaters. I think it's still in theaters right. technically. Uh, will be uh, available digitally on July 25th, so very soon here, yeah. just a couple weeks. Like a quick turnaround. And the uh, the Blu-ray and DVD release will be set for September 19th. We don't have a date yet for when it'll debut on Disney Plus. Um, I would think it's about two months after that, kind of yeah, you know, give some chance for it to sell. Right. One month, two months. I'm not sure if it's two months from the July date or two months from the September date, but I would, it'll be probably about that. Right. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. That's so an just, estimation. Yeah, kind of what I would expect. Yeah. So you have a Disney story of the week, right? We can't leave without that because Michelle's stories are always the best stories. <laughs> it's not quite a big deal, but um, they they are releasing a little bit of information about this year's uh, Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. I'm not going to go through all the details, um, but there were a couple of little highlights because they, they really haven't released a ton of stuff about it, talking a lot about merchandise. But uh, one of the, there was two things that caught my attention. Uh, one is that they are going to feature the Muppets. Uh, that there. caught my attention. Yes, the, the, they, as they put, and this is in Disney Parks blog, uh, Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and his faithful assistant Beaker of Muppet Labs will be, will welcome you to their taste-testing headquarters where the inventive duo are busy creating scientific snacks and mind-blowing beverages. So that's going to be over at the Odyssey, and it sounds like it's going to be a hoot. Uh, the other information that they released that was very great sounding to me is that they're going to uh, feature four new global marketplaces uh, to commemorate the Disney 100 celebration. Nice. So that sounds cool. They're, they're Char and Chop, Wine and Wedge, Bubbles and Brine, and Swirl Showcase. 
So that all sounds great. I, Already, know, I don't even know what they're saying. I know, now, but, but they it all sounds sound good. like, yeah, I know, you know, you kind of know what's going to be in each of right. those categories in each of those uh, marketplaces. So that's exciting. Um, looking forward to that. You know, they're also going to have some returning favorites. And I know you love the fry basket that's coming back. But Yay. anyways, just a few little things. Yeah. And that uh, the Muppets wet, thing yeah. is uh, over at the Odyssey is going to be I know it's going to be spectacular. Uh, you know, I mean that, that it's always good to see more Muppets incorporated. Right. There's no question about that. But then they have some interesting food there. Sounds like they're bringing on the heat. Uh, yeah, the, well, that those chicken wings is right is yeah. what they are. They're, yeah. they're super hot. I don't Scotch know if I'll bonnet, be able, pepper, I don't know if I'll be able to try those. <laughs> and then there's like a pickle milkshake. Yeah, I was gonna I'm say like, a pickle what? milkshake. <laughs> I may have to try it. It's weird. I'm not the hugest fan of pickles, (laughs) but I may have to try it just because I may need to know what a pickle milkshake would be like. And you know, the Muppets would be hilarious. Exactly. Exactly. So, yep, they're really doing some experiments out there. That's fun. Um, Very excited. That was a very exciting news, exciting news today. And I'm glad again, like I said, uh, more Muppets is always a good thing for sure. So that's it for the Disney stories of the week. However, you know, we never leave you without giving you some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation. When we do this, we always start with Michelle because she's wonderful, awesome, all things bright and shiny (laughs) in the world. You heard it earlier in the show. She has the best lists. (laughs) You know, she does the best research. She has the best Disney stories of the week. She also definitely has the very best tip. So let's get to it. Here's Michelle's tip of the week. Oh, you're kind. I don't know if this is that big of a deal, but you know, um, a lot of times we talk about what are some other fun ways you can have at the Disney properties without maybe necessarily going into the parks. And we've talked about things like the miniature golf or the foot golf, but corn dogs on the boardwalk. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But maybe you just want to play some regular golf, but don't want to necessarily be out there during the day in the heat, especially this time of year, you know, or spend that long, but maybe you're just interested in uh, some nine hole golf. And they do have some, you know, pretty nice deals. Uh, They have the Sunset 9. And this comes with a couple of drinks. I think they're non-alcoholic and um, they do have some domestic beer. Um, You to unwind before and after your tea time there. Um, And the best thing is the price is as starts as low as $39 per person. And that comes with a cart. Yeah, you know, it's not bad. Nine holes and a couple of drinks. Like right. you said, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, domestic beer, but it also may be a soft drink. But still, right. that's right. not bad. Yeah. yeah, and your golf cart to to ride around in and everything. Um, you know, and it's in the evening, so right. Or, you know, so it's a little going to be a little cooler. Hopefully, that time. Hopefully, the rain has cooled everything down by that point. Right, right. It's also not the busiest time, you know, for those avid golfers. So if you feel like your golf isn't up to par. Uh. <laughs> um, this might be a good time to do it because then you, you might not be as self-conscious if you're not as fast right. moving through. Right. And maybe you went to the parks earlier in the day and then, you know, family's doing other things and you want to go out and have some golf, yeah. or whatever. It's all and if you time it right, you know, maybe pick up one of the later tea times in, the, in that you might see a really nice sunset. Too. Who knows? Who no. knows? There you but, go. Yeah. Michelle's tip, always the best tip <laughs> for sure. So I just want to mention you can um, actually book your tea time online. Just go to golfwdw.com 
or uh, and then and from there you you'll look at their specials and that's where they have the the nine the sunset nine um, or you can call four zero seven WDW Golf. Perfect, great. Uh, I've always wanted to. I've not played uh, golf out at Walt Disney World. At the happiest I, place on turf. Ah. <laughs> Uh, I've always wanted to, though. Um, so maybe that nine holes, that might be something to yeah. look up sometime. Yeah, yeah definitely yep. cool. Very good. Uh, Michelle's tip, always mm. the best tip. Uh, my tip for this week is just basically it never hurts to ask. Um, you know, look, you're planning your vacation coming up here, whether it be to Disneyland, Walt Disney World Resort or whatever. Look, sometimes you don't get to go except for maybe once a year, once every few years. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. never know what your situation is, what your travel plans are, whatever. Why not get the most you can out of it? And we've talked about this many times on the show before. One of the ways to help get the most out of it is just to ask. When you're going for a restaurant or whatever and you mm-hmm. want that particular table, Ask for it when you check in. Say, look, I'd love to get a table by the water if it's something like that or a table in this special room or whatever. You never know. There's no guarantees, but a lot of times we've done that and we've gotten at least a table in where we wanted it. We may have had to wait a little longer, but it can happen. Yeah, and just, you know, right away, let them know that you're aware there there are no guarantees and that you're willing to wait. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and just a little kindness goes a long way in getting some pixie dust there. Yeah. Uh, If you want your favorite spot, any given attraction within a ride vehicle or in a theater or whatever, Mm -hmm. they're setting it up. It never hurts to ask when you go up there and you're getting ready to go on to say, oh, I'd like to sit in X row or whatever. You know, I'd like to sit in the center. I'd like to sit in the front. I'd like to sit in the back. Could that be a possibility? Almost always it happens for us. I don't think it's very rare that they've told us, nope, sorry, we can't uh, accommodate you. It's just, okay, just wait over here. We'll, We'll get these people on and then we'll put you in that slot onto the next ride vehicle that's coming across exactly especially like when we're with scott he he likes to be in the front row of things of like if they're boats or cars with multiple seats and stuff like Mm -hmm. that um and like tom says yeah they're they're they've been i think very rare only in like the peak time where they just really have to churn people and they can't like get lines Mm -hmm. waiting but you know like tom said just you know say hey if we're willing to wait if it'd be okay yeah Never hurts to ask. Good point. Even if, like, say there's a restaurant you really want to go to and you weren't able to land a reservation for that restaurant. Now, this is a little bit harder to work with, especially since they have a lot of virtual wait lists and everything now. But it never hurts to go up to the desk and ask. Right. Look, I couldn't get a reservation. If anything comes available, is there a possibility I can get in? Definitely no guarantees on that. Don't expect with that. But it never hurts to ask. All they could say is, I'm sorry, we're fully booked and there right. won't be anything that'll pop up. Fine. You're in the same situation you were before. But every once in a while, right. something might open up and you get that spot in that restaurant that you wanted. Yeah, you exactly. Know? So why not? It never hurts to ask. Right. Again, as Michelle already alluded to, just ask nicely. Be willing to wait a little longer for mm-hmm. some of these things if you want to get that particular place within a restaurant, within an attraction, whatever it may be. And, and, and just know it's not guaranteed, again, as Michelle said. But, you know, again, it could be a long time between you get the opportunity to do one of these things again. Make the most of it. Sure. 
ask and try and get the best possible spot that is right for you and your family. Right, exactly. And, and that comes with the resorts too. If you're staying mm-hmm. on property, you know, you can contact the resort in advance um, and let them know your preference. You know, sometimes if you're just saying a specific room, it's kind of hard for them to always hone in on that. But, you know, even some of the things like Tom said, you know, facing the pool or, you know, and, don't, and but only expect that if, if you're getting that level of right. room. You're you not can't get a standard view and say, you know, oh, can I get a What I really a, like a water is a, view. a three bedroom cabin. Yeah. Uh, and, um, <laughs> but you paid for a standard view. <laughs> But yeah, if you just let them know a few days ahead, you know, what kind of things that, you know, your preferences of a room, they'll make the notation on your reservation and they'll do their best. Now, again, no guarantees, but they'll try. Yep. You never know. You never know. It never hurts to ask. That's all I'm saying. So Good point. So that's it for this week. Next week, well, we're smack dab in the middle of summer, and that means it's barbecue season. Mm-hmm. And we figured this would be a great time to explore some of the best barbecue Disney has to offer. The only issue is we've only sampled a couple of those locations. Right. The good news is we have an expert on the subject yeah. who has agreed to join us and talk about it on the show. Our great friend Justin Monterey of the Pass Holders Lounge is coming back on the show to talk about some of the best Disney barbecue joints out there. Yeah, looking forward to, well, one, talking food, but uh, having Justin there on our show again is going to be a lot of fun. He always brings so much helpful information and is just a good person and fun to talk with. And a great friend of ours. And yeah. it'll, be, it'll just be a good time uh, getting together with him and talking about, I love some barbecue. I know. Talking about some barbecue. Maybe we might find some spots that we haven't hit up yet right. that may have to put on our list. And hopefully you will too. As for this week's show, we appreciate that you join us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. Also, we are on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Threads <laughs> at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Uh, if you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. Also, we are on YouTube. You want to find us there. We're at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. And if you have any questions about anything that we present, or if you have a topic you'd like us to, to include in a future episode, just let us know. For sure. Uh, we love answering questions. We love just right. conversing with you in any way, even if it's just to say hi. We just want to interact with you because we appreciate you. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so thank you for listening to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We look forward to sharing some time with you again next week. Until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week.